0: Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the 1970 Podcast. I am your host, Mark Damon, and joining me today, as always, is our fearless editor and leader of PSG Talk, Ed. And before I sort of let you get involved here, i just like to say that finally, ding dong, the witch is dead. PSG have advanced to the round of eight, the quarterfinal round. By defeating FC Barcelona five to two over two legs, four one in the first leg, and then a semi queasy one one in the second. So finally, it has happened. All the nerves you can kind of let them go. You know, hopefully everyone's been sort of nice and relaxed and enjoying the last two days. It's been a fun time here in PSG uh, in PSG world and. Uh, Ed, how are you feeling specifically after experiencing that game on Wednesday and knowing that now you can finally sort of breathe and that you don't have to close down the site after all?
1: I think my nerves have finally calmed down. Uh, That 1-1 was the most nervous I've been in uh, a long time. I can't remember when I've been. I, I'm terrified of public speaking, believe it or not, and so I don't think there's any situation I've ever been more nervous than during that game. Barcelona just came out and and just they did exactly what I was hoping they wouldn't do, and that was they looked like a competent football team after all season, just looking incompetent, and they just created chance after chance. Dembele especially was just terrorizing Kurzawa. There was nothing that we could do. He was just Luckily, he, he couldn't find the goal. I mean, that's basically what it came down to. Zambele couldn't but. score at all, and Messi missing the penalty. Um, otherwise, if, if if he could shoot on target and Messi, we're looking at Rimentada part due. Well,
0: again, I, I want to make this point for people that maybe are tuning in for the first time, maybe not. Maybe somebody who has never sort of been in the PSG bubble, I guess, as a fan Why this is such a big deal, because if you just look at this on paper and you didn't watch the two legs and you didn't have the context beforehand, 5-2 is fairly comfortable. You know, on paper, this was a pretty easy, after they won 4-1, I I think I predicted a 1-1 boring game. And essentially, after that first half, it was essentially a 1-1 boring game. But that sort of misses the entirety of the point. Look. Uh, And every PSG fan understands this. So I'm I'm preaching mostly to the choir here. But the Remontada was as low a point in our fandom, maybe in any fandom. I'm trying to think of any sort of sporting event that could sort of Compare to what PSG experienced and what the fans experienced that night. Could
1: you and I'm not maybe the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl when they blew that lead, or maybe the Golden State Warriors being up 3 1 if you're looking at American sports? Yeah, but kind also –
0: Yeah, kind of. I mean, Golden State had already won the title
1: that's twice
0: true. by that point. So it wasn't like they were, you know. They'd won the title at least once or twice at that point. The Falcons so is,
1: is a good one, though. They had a huge lead, yeah. and they've never won a Super Bowl, to my knowledge, and then they yeah. blew it to Tom Brady, which is kind of like yeah. the messy American football. It,
0: it, it's a, it's a, there's very few examples of, of something like that happening to a franchise. And at that point, I think what everyone thought of PSG, and I think what PSG have been trying to – Spend the last four years overcoming was the idea that PSG were pretending to be a big club, that they really were a medium-sized club, sort of a a Leicester or something of that ilk, or a Roma, or a uh, or a Sevilla that was trying to, with artificial enhancement through Qatar, or however you want to say it. We're trying to become a big club. But what the Remontada showed, I think, at the time to a lot of people, and what was sort of the humiliating part of it, was that PSG were not a big club. They were pretending to be one. And it's taken signing Neymar and Mbappe and Kaylor Navas and, you know, going through, you know, at this point, three different coaches and two different sporting directors to overcome that moment and to sort of reassert PSG as a major European club. And I've always said it's a tenuous place to be if you're PSG right now, because this thing could all end in an instant. It's still not quite solidified yet. It's getting there and it's as close as it's ever been. But if you want PSG to be you know, Bayern Munich or Real Madrid or Juventus, where you're always in the conversation, you're always a top team where all the top players want to go. And we'll talk about a little bit of that later. If you want to be that kind of club, like a Barcelona, you have to overcome something like what happened to PSG on March the 8th, 2017. And it's, this game was so important. It was so vital because PSG absolutely could not be remontada again. Mm -hmm. It would have been as devastating to... It would have been... It almost would have been... Like, if. let's say it had happened. What I would be saying right now to all of you is that PSG need to sell everyone and rebuild the whole thing from the ground up. Because if that's going to happen to you twice after all that's happened, Mm -hmm. after all the years into that club, the club that has basically... Treated you like a jabroni feeder club, trying to steal all you know, trying to steal all of your players for that to a club that has repeatedly disrespected PSG on numerous occasions. They've tried to buy Marquinhos, they've they've tried to you know, Marquinhos, tap up Marquinhos, Thiago Silva, Verratti. They tried to rebuy back Neymar. Like this is this is a rivalry. This is meaning. This was meaningful. This mattered to to the fans. It is important that, that PSG were able to show that they were uh, that they're finally on that same level as a club like Barcelona. I'm not sure PSG have ever knocked out a club as big as Barcelona in the Champions League, and this was, I think, the moment where you can say, "All right, it's the remontada's is behind us." And PSG are on the same level as all these other major clubs. And I think this was so important to solidify that and to gain respect and to get some respect back. And I feel like, you know, PSG will never be, I think, fully embraced as a, you know, as a European uh, superpower in the same way as a Juventus or or a Real Madrid. But I think... I think people are starting to understand that this is not just a club with money. This is a club with a passion, a passionate fan base, with players that, you know, that work hard, players that don't just sort of show up for the paycheck. And I think a lot of the old PSG tropes are starting to be debunked. And I think this was sort of one of the last steps PSG needed to take. And I'm not sure if they're going to win the Champions League this year. It's hard to win that tournament. And PSG saw last year. They got really close, but they weren't all that close because I think Bayern were the better team. But still, it's hard to get there. And I think, you know, for what the season has been, for sort of the turmoil of it, this was a nice – this was a highlight. And it was necessary to be able to knock out Barcelona and to have that sort of emotion of, yes, finally, PSG got revenge – they put it behind them, and now we can all sort of move forward.
1: Are you saying that Atalanta and Leipzig are not as big as Barcelona? Because I, I, would. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I mean, this is the the biggest scalp that PSG have taken in the Champions League, and uh, it's just great that it was Barcelona, a team that we have so much history with, so much animosity, so much venom between the two fan bases. Um, in our group chat in the Discord, I think it was Guillaume posted something um from, I think it was the Barcelona board, or maybe it was a Barcelona fan coming over to the PSG subreddit talking about how, oh, us fans, we really don't care about Barca, or we don't really care about PSG. You guys think this is a rivalry, but you know we don't really care about you. And but that couldn't be further from the truth. There's their fans care about PSG. They hate PSG. You know they want Neymar. They can't have him. There's absolutely a rivalry here, uh, whether they like to admit it or not. And so to beat them in the Champions League was oh. So sweet. And you mentioned that word that people say on paper, you're right on paper five, two on aggregate. That is complete domination. It, you know? Okay. Maybe it was four one after the first leg, but you know, PSG did what they had to do in the second leg. Maybe it was one sided, but they Barcelona only scored one goal and that's how many that PSG scored. So, okay. Yeah. You can, you can have as many attempts on, on goal as you want. You could play nice possession football, but if you don't put the ball into the back of the net, you're going to lose or draw at best. And that's just the way it is. And that's what happens. So Barcelona have a lot of um, things they have to do this offseason. Messi. What are you gonna do with him? I don't think this squad is anywhere near ready to compete for a Champions League title. They gotta do a complete rehaul. You talked about blowing up PSG if they uh if they lost this and gave up the lead. I think Barcelona essentially has to do the same thing. You you almost I mean you have some nice pieces, Pedri's nice, but by and large, you you got to start from the bottom up with this team given the financial issues yeah. and the aging superstars. They got big problems on their hands.
0: Well, and, and we'll talk about the, sec- the the second leg right now. So, I I give Barcelona more credit I think than some other PSG fans would would want to at this point because I thought they were as good in that first half as I've seen them the whole year. And There was something on the – I I read on one of the the Barcelona Twitter accounts where it was like, you know, PSG didn't want to play that way. PSG did not go into that game saying we are going to suck back and defend, you know, like our lives depended on it for the first 45 minutes of the game. That's not what happened. What happened was Barcelona had a really, really good game plan and Ronald Koeman, who I have never really highly rated as a coach, probably coached his best game. As a, as a manager, or at least one of them, because what they were able to do, which was really smart, was in the last game, they really didn't play without a striker either, but their, their forwards were not making runs. So what they did in this game was they basically just got the ball to midfield. They ran at PSG's defense and then their forwards would make runs off the shoulder. So you either have to, A, suck back and defend those runs, or you step up and stop Messi and De Jong and and Serginio Dest, and you leave yourself vulnerable to those runs in behind. So PSG were caught in between the whole first half. They they didn't know how to defend it. So what you got was Kurzawa sucking in and allowing Dest to just rampage down that right-hand side. You had midfielders who are just losing the ball and then being caught behind and not being able to recover and what PSG did well though I thought in that first half the only thing they did well was that on the few occasions that they were able to get the ball they did have space for counters the problem was when you don't have Neymar to run at a back line when you don't have Moise Keane to be sort of an an option on that side. And it's sort of, it becomes a Cardi and Mbappe, and that's the only two. PSU are very limited in what they could do on the counter. So, you get lucky with the foul in the box, which, again, it was as much of a foul as any of the other fouls that were called for Barcelona four years ago. So, you know, poo-poo, so sad. (laughs) Uh, Things happen in the sport. Mbappe gets the goal. And then Messi, because Pichier caught in two minds, they couldn't close down Messi on that long goal that he scored. Because if you suck up, he's just going to pass it in behind. Yeah. So... Again, a lot a lot of that first half was Barcelona knowing they had to score multiple goals in the first half to have a chance and throwing bodies forward. They played a 3-4-3 basically. And Barcelona never plays a 3-4-3. And they did a really good job of just pinning PSG back with their skill. The passing was crisp. Every 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 time you turned around They had players running in behind. They had the ball at the outside of the 18. So I really give credit to Barcelona, and I think PSG were shell-shocked, and I think Levin Krizawa, for example, I think he was having some PTSD flashbacks, and I think he just just lost it. Like, he just, just, I think he broke down mentally. I really do. And that's not a good sign. I mean, we know he's not a number one left back, but he broke down mentally there. (laughs) Multiple occasions, and you get to the moment—you know, the defining moment of the game. In many regards, the defining moment of the tie. Yeah. Where Messi, if Messi scores that, it's game on, and the second half would have been very much a shit show. They would have been two
1: two goals that would have forced extra time, and you know what would have happened from there.
0: Yes. And it didn't look like PSG were going to get many scoring chances in that, in, that,
1: in the game. And they
0: ended up not getting very many scoring chances. So PSG would have had chances to put the tie away, but maybe not been able to capitalize. It would have came down to the last minute, and it would have been a real 90 minutes of hell. But the thing that changed it, and I think what snapped PSG out of their sort of shock, was Keylor Navas. And the calmness and the assuredness and the experience and being able to sort of just, you know, take advantage, put that knee out there, you know, keep it from going out any way he could. Not a great penalty from Messi, but still, you know, Alphonse have did, would have dove to the left and the ball would have went in. Kevin Trapp would have dove and still missed it you know Gianluigi Buffon was not going to stop that at 40 years old 2 years ago so it, it you know key key acquisitions and key positions matter and the upgrade at goalie has been a godsend for this club and it has made a world of difference you don't have to worry about it anymore it's not a position where you're where you're frightened anymore and once Navas made that stop you know, I think there was still some nerves from PSG fans who'd been burned too many times, but the tie was over once he made that save. The game was over.
1: Yeah, they kind of threw in pers- the towel. They, they they were like, Messi can't score a penalty. That's what hope do yeah, we have? And,
0: and the second half, the things that made the difference, and well, you know, I'll try to go quick through these, but the things that made the difference were bringing on Abdou Diallo in place of Krizawa. First five minutes of that half, Diallo was just taking the ball off everybody. He just shut the left side down. So all those runs that Dest was making, all those runs Dembele, Dembele was making them off the left, but all those runs that that Dest was making, he just shut that down, like, real quick, in a hurry. And he took that side away, and he was good on the ball, and he made the right pass, and he wasn't afraid. And, you know, he was the one that they asked after the the breast... uh, Coupe de France game about the remontada. And he was like, I don't care about that. I wasn't here for that. It's a a completely different (laughs) team. And you know what? You know what? He proved it. He came in there and he acted like a player that had not experienced that before. And he shut it down. And by that point, Barcelona really did not get a lot of good chances in the second half. Really, the second half, PSG did exactly what I think they were going to try to do in the beginning. Which is defend at half, defend the midfield, defend at the halfway line, not allow Barcelona easy penetration, take away the wings, um, hit them on counters, have possession when you needed it, hold the ball up, take fouls, protect the game, and they did it in a you know they did it in a really professional way, and it really was a difference. You give PSG an F for the first half, I give them about a B to an A in the second half. Because I think they did exactly what they needed to do. And if Acardi and Mbappe finish their chances, they win the tie. So, you know, all, all, the, all the stuff that happened, all the negativity of the first half, all those horrible flashbacks, PSG snapped out of it. They made adjustments. And in the end, the second half was a really sort of straightforward deal. Like, they really, you know, again... Our paranoia aside, PSG were never in danger in that second half. There was never a moment where you were like,
1: it's, "It oh, sure felt like ne- it," but yeah, you were right. They didn't. Yeah,
0: if you if you were a neutral watching that game, you never thought PSG... after the Navas save, you never thought PSG were going to lose. Yeah.
1: But if you've watched this team, you know that they are yes. more than capable of throwing that away. It does make you think, we talked about Krizawa, uh, maybe it's just a Barcelona thing. I mean, he had looked decent in recent games, but yeah. it makes you wonder, I mean, Diallo can pretty much play anywhere in the back four. I mean, does he come in? Yeah. Or maybe if, I don't know, can we play Juan Bernat? This is a topic that came up on the um, PSG Talking, but is he registered? Can we play Bernat if he's back? I think
0: you can take players off and on. Okay. I, I have a okay. I have a hunch you can do that I don't know if I'm right on that but yeah. somebody will, I'm sure will correct me
1: if he's healthy the, the tact- then he has to start
0: Look, the tactical mistake that that Poch made in the first half was putting Kurzawa in there it was just it was a mistake because Kurzawa is not a defender he's not a he's not a good defender he's still not a good defender he's a good attacking left back and if you're playing an aggressive game and you're getting on top of them and you're um you're getting into the other uh, to the opponent's half, as you saw in the first leg. Levin Kurzawa was really good in the first leg he when was. he could get when he could get forward and attack. But when but when the game turned and they became defensive, Kurzawa was just exposed. And we know how bad he is defensively. We know how he's not able to get attached to players and he needs help. Literally anytime he was had to defend Dest or Messi. They had to send help yeah. because he couldn't do it on his own.
1: But these are mistakes that shouldn't be happening. Pochettino knows who Krizawa is. It's not like a new player. No, Everyone I, knows. I get that.
0: I get that. But he's not going to put Bakker in there. Just It's not going to happen. And
1: I don't know. I think I I'd think rather think have Bakker he, than Kurzawa. Maybe.
0: Uh, in that, I, think he didn't, I don't think Pochettino expected PSG to be that shook in the first half. I don't think he knew. He learned very quickly.
1: Yeah, he learned a good lesson. But
0: he, but he learned it right away, and he didn't keep him in. He took him out at half. He didn't wait. He didn't say, give him another minute. He said, take him out. And he's done that twice now, where in the first leg, Idrissa Gay had a had a, had a yellow card, and he was very close to getting a second yellow. He took him off, and he put Herrera on. Same here with Krazawa. He had a yellow, almost a second yellow for the foul in the box. And he didn't wait. He took him off. He didn't make that mistake. So I think, you know, I don't mind if a coach gets it wrong at the beginning of a game. They just need to be able to correct it before it's too late. And Pochettino did that, I think, very well. And just to sort of throw some more names in there, even like Colin Dagba did what he needed to do in the last 15 minutes of the game. Um, I thought that was Danilo Pereira's best game. I know that's blasphemy in some circles, but I thought he was that was his best performance as, as a sub. I thought he was just he was strong on the ball. He didn't lose the ball. He wasn't he wasn't giving it to the other team. He looked like he belonged out there as a sub, and that and that made sense. Um, Di Maria did what he needed to do. He held the ball up. So in in actuality, and I think what may surprise some people is that PSG really won this game with their bench. They won their game. They won this game because, in the end, PSG's bench is better than Barcelona's.
1: Yeah, and also we have uh, Marquinhos. So that, who? who yeah. Sorry, I just want to highlight Marquinhos. Who? He's the captain. We all know he's great, but I think he's still undervalued in terms of the football media world, football fans in general. I just don't think this guy gets enough credit, and he is an absolute beast. He's easily top five maybe even higher than that in terms of center backs in Europe. I mean, he is just phenomenal. I just want to give him his, no, he's, he's,
0: he's sturdy. And that's what was frustrating me about what Tuchel was doing in the beginning of the year when he was playing him in the midfield, which is like, Marquinhos is a world-class center back. You can find people to play the six. Yeah, You can find a guy to play that position. You cannot find a, you. it's hard to find world-class center backs. It's really hard at this level to play that kind of ninety-minute game where it's always tense, yeah. where you always have to be locked in. That's hard. That and Thiago Silva yeah. kind of was like that. I think Silva had his. I think Silva had his moments where he would break down mentally. Marquinhos doesn't have that. Marquinhos does not really break down mentally at all. And you put him with Preston Kimpembe, who can be physical who can make more you know, who can they complement each other well, which is why that those two were all should always have been the center back pairing. I don't know why this was ever complicated, but yeah, I mean, always give Marquinhos the credit. He's he's a great captain. Yeah. I think he's been he's been phenomenal.
1: He's been excellent. I thought Kempembe was excellent. And so we talked a lot about the second half and substitutions. Let's talk about Di Maria because there's a couple things we need to talk about with him. Number one, when he came in, he was able to hold on to the ball, make Barcelona chase him a little bit more, keep possession, which also makes me wonder why Draxer started and not Di Maria. Maybe it's was an injury situation. Um, if you can hear that, my, but, dog, my dog's going to get a drink of water. And then I also want to talk about uh, the extension. I want to get yeah. your thoughts on that. Well-
0: i'll I'll say with the reason they started Draxler is because you need you wanted to put your better player at the end of the game, I think. I think having Di Maria at the end of the game to hold the ball up was was fairly smart. And if you're gonna ha- if you can only play a, I think what was supposed to happen possibly was if Neymar was fit, that De Maria would have played the first sixty or or fifty five or sixty, and then Neymar would have played. But that obviously didn't happen. so uh Draxler sort of got the first half and Di Maria got the second um it ended up working out I think that's the better way to do it I don't think Draxler's good at sort of hold up play I don't think that's his game so I think in the in in the end of the game when you need someone with experience that can keep the ball when two three defenders are on him I think Di Maria is probably that guy
1: yeah Draxler had a good start um but then kind of faded Di Maria like you said came in as like like the closer in baseball he was the uh, Mariano, uh, what was the the Yankee closer? Mariano Rivera. That's it. Yeah, from your neck of the woods. But yeah. let's talk about that Di Maria extension just real quick. Extended until twenty twenty two. He's thirty three years old. He's made two hundred and forty eight appearances. He scored eighty seven goals and ninety nine assists. So his next assist will be his one hundred for the club. Overall, I know some. He's a little bit controversial. Jose is not a big fan. Uh, how do you feel about this uh, extending his contract for another year?
0: Um, it's a good move, uh, for the club. It's a, it's a very solid, um, very solid move. I think because you give you have the year option that, that the club has and, um, he's a club legend. I think, I, I think he is a club legend. I think, um, it's, you know, they've may have learned sort of from the dealing with Sylvan Cavani, you know, you don't have to give every club legend a, a sort of a red carpet exit. You know, sometimes business is business. But Di Maria is somebody who probably next year will be coming off the bench more times than not, who's sort of likes where he is, who plays his role, who's you know really good at creating, who has a penchant for good free-kick taking, I, I, I think he's probably his best years are behind him, but he's still a valuable player in that locker room and not, you know, they didn't sign him to a four year deal. They did. I'm sure they're not even going to pay him as much as they paid him in the last contract, but this is really, I think a solid move to bridge some gaps here and to keep a guy with experience in your attack. It's a good, I think it's a good move. I, I, I think it's smart for a lot of reasons. Yeah.
1: And the, and just the financial situation is probably smart for him to extend for just another year, let clubs figure out themselves financially. And then maybe he can go, I don't think after 2022, he's looking at, you know, too high a level of football, but you know, maybe an MLS team will be interested. You never know. Um, who knows, maybe back to Argentina. We'll have to see, but for him, I think just buying yourself that extra year is probably smart for him. Um, Mark, I wanted to ask you, on the other podcast, I asked the guys, um, we don't know all of the teams that will move on to the next round right now, but we can kind of get a good feel of who we think is going to be there. Is there a team or a storyline that you are hoping for that you think would be really interesting? I mean, let's be honest, maybe you draw Porto and that's kind of easy, but I don't know, they just knocked out Juventus, so how easy would that be? So don't look at it from who would be easier or not. Look at it like... Who would be the most interesting storyline? Who would be the most joy to beat on that stage? Uh, is there a team well, out there? those
0: are those are very different questions.
1: <laughs> okay, so well, answer one. whatever you want.
0: I'll break it down like this: the clear, the clear, obvious, um, big intrigue match would be Chelsea, obviously, for for fairly obvious reasons. That would be the that would be the most sort of intriguing matchup from a storyline sort of soap opera perspective. I think that the game that would be the most interesting, I think the matchup that would be the most interesting is this PSG team versus that Manchester city team. I think that would be a fascinating tactical matchup in that really it's a battle between a team that's essentially built around stars versus a team that's sort of built around an idea and a concept more than it's actually, you know, a team that's a team that's more than the sum of its parts versus a team that like PSG, where the stars are the parts and every and the rest of the players are sort of role players in that. I think that would be sort of an interesting footballing dynamic. And then there would be the most annoying one, which would be if we had to play Dortmund again, and then we get (laughs) three weeks of, of, of Holland and and Mbappe talk and, you know, who's going to win the matchup and, you know, Holland's going to get revenge and all that, all that, you know, nonsense. So that's the one I least want, because I I just feel like that's going to be really sort of a, I think that's going to be a media sort of, you know, it would, it's going to be very tough to be on Twitter for the three weeks before that game. Uh, Chelsea would probably make me the most nervous because I don't know if I'm ready for Thomas Tuchel to knock out PSG. I don't. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I want to deal with that at the moment. I'm having such a good time in life right now. I'm not sure I need that <laughs> stress in my there's life. There's no
1: shame in going out to Tuchel. I mean, he got us to a final. It's not like there's any real animosity there. It just it didn't work no, at the end.
0: I know, I know, but I'm going to have to hear it for, for for years after. You know, to you to, you know. You wanted Tomas Tuchel out and then Tomas Tuchel knocked PSG out of the Champions League. How do you feel? I feel like shit. How else would I feel? <laughs> but you know, and but again from a I think a an actual sporting perspective, I think that City matchup would be really intriguing. I think it would be. I think that would be super intriguing.
1: Yeah, we we joked and I was saying that you know it's a TV show. If anyone thinks that this thing isn't rigged, you're fooling yourself. It is a hundred percent rigged. And I just think the football people pulling the strings—they want Mbappe versus Holland. I mean, I, I just think that would be the biggest ratings. The, those two games would be probably the most watched football matches all season, maybe other than the final. I mean, that would just be because those. You know what, yeah, go ahead.
0: I, here's the thing with that. I don't know if Holland is really that big outside of Twitter. He's, I don't he's, know if he's if he's a, I, he's not a star. He's have you ever heard
1: a, him talk? Like he's not an engaging person. Like Mbappe, no, he's
0: not. He's not a star.
1: No. Here's the thing: Holland is a very
0: good center forward who is having a really great early run in his career. Who has none? Who has won zero trophies? Who has never actually been on a good team he was on a team in Austria and he's been on a team in in the Bundesliga who's basically its sole function is to lose to Bayern Munich every two every every year that's its function and then to give Bayern its function is to lose to Bayern Munich and then give Bayern Munich its best play you know give their best players to Bayern Munich That's the function of
1: of Borussia Dortmund. And and look why Haaland went there. He went there and he has this like really low buyout. What is it, like 60, 70? I guess low, but he could probably, on the open market. Look,
0: everyone needs to just, here's the thing. He's going to Bayern Munich. Just everyone understand that. There's no one else is getting him. He's going to Bayern Munich. He's going to play there for 10, 15 years. He's probably going to be in the top five of all-time leading goal scorer at Bayern Munich. He's going to win a Champions League or two because Bayern's that good, and he's you know, that's what's going to happen. So just everyone understand that. And I think what'll happen is, and I think it really is, he's a he is a um, football sort of nerds kind of player. I don't think he's a star in the sense that people are buying Halon jerseys. And if Borussia Dortmund go over to America, people aren't going to. Watch Borussia Dortmund because Holland is on the team. He's not that kind of player. He's not an Mbappe. He's not a Neymar. He's not a Messi. He's not a Ronaldo. So they're all trying to make this happen, and it's not a thing. You know, stop trying to make Holland a thing. He's not a thing. He's just a very good player on a mediocre team you know, who gets goals because no one else on that team can score. Yeah. And I think it would be embarrassing to lose to Dortmund. And I think it would be embarrassing to lose to Holland and have to deal with that. So I really don't want that. Please don't make me have to watch that for two legs again. <laughs> um, but you know, yeah, I, 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 again, I'd rather Chelsea than that to be quite honest with you.
1: That's the one that I'm hoping for. Cause it's the return of Tuchel. You've got Tiago Silva and psg and chelsea it just feels like whenever they get together in the champions league sometimes it doesn't go our way but it's always entertaining there's always plenty to talk about so i think that would be really exciting i also could see real madrid if they get through uh being interesting with mbappe going to the Bernabéu, which is a place where they all you know he wants to be apparently at some point in his career that could be interesting yeah. um Dortmund again, yeah. Just between those two players, but other than that, like I don't want to see their admins' tweets on social media. And it, it's just well, we're gonna like, have
0: to. If, if we're gonna have to, you know. Well, we're gonna have to play Tomas Munier too. So that'll be that'll be fun.
1: Uh, yeah. No. Well, yeah.
0: Well, anytime, anytime you play in, once you get to the quarterfinal, the chan- you're you're always getting a good team. Even Porto, I think, would be a tough out.
1: Yeah, there, there's I think at Porto this stage no I, easy.
0: Porto are a good team.
1: They, I think or, uh, I, I would be more worried about Porter than I would be Dortmund, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, unless again, unless just unless PSG just really screwed up and let Halan go nuts. Yeah, yeah, Dortmund, they should be Dortmund.
1: They they absolutely should. Um, uh, did we want to? Do we,
0: we want to address the the messy stuff really quick?
1: Yeah, real quick. I'll let you go. Go go ahead and say what you want about Messi. Okay.
0: <laughs> so here here's the thing. I put out a poll today on on my Twitter at Mark Damon Nine in case we don't get to plug it at the end. Um, and I and I put together three different potential sort of attacking five units. And I did option one was basically the unit that we have now. They don't sign Messi, but they re Neymar and Mbappe. Signed Keane away from Everton, Di Maria and uh, Icardi. Option two was... PSG sign Messi, but they don't keep Mbappe. So it would be Neymar, Messi, Di Maria, Acardi, and Keane. Then the third option was they keep they keep Mbappe and sign Messi with Neymar, Acardi, and Di Maria, and they wouldn't have the money to sign Keane at that point. So I put that out there on the Twitter.
1: I've got it pulled up here. Looks like option three, narrowly in the lead.
0: Okay, can you give me those numbers quick?
1: Yeah, you've got 235 votes, and it looks like option three is at 47.2 percent. Option one is at 42, and option two a distant third.
0: Yeah, uh, and and again, I put that poll that poll out for a very specific reason, and I I got exactly the percentage of votes that I thought I would get. Mm. And basically, the idea of the poll is that 80. of PSG fans want – okay, how do I put this? Okay, let me see if I can – PSG fans, I think, would like to have Lionel Messi, but not at the expense of Kylian Mbappe. I think that fact has been very clearly laid out here, and I think most people would agree with that, and I think it shows you where Messi is at this point in his career and where Kylian Mbappe is at this point in his career. Mm -hmm. That's the basic idea that we get from that poll, which is, yeah, we'd love to have Lionel Messi, but not if it means losing Kylian Mbappe. Exactly. And I don't know how they would make that money work to keep both of them. I think that would be some weird voodoo that I'm not sure I could wrap my brain around. But, you know, I think it's an intriguing thing going into the into the summer. I don't think it's something PSG should worry about right now. I think what PSG should do is lock up that Neymar extension, which seems to be locked up at this point, lock up Mbappe, whether it be a two-year deal or a five-year deal, whatever deal he's willing to sign for whatever years, just go with that, lock him up for longer, keep him under your control for as long as you can keep him there. And then, if the messy thing works out in the end, it works out in the end. If you're able to make it work somehow, you do that. But I think I agree with most of the fans here that 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 uh, that voted in that poll. You have to keep. You cannot sign Lionel Messi at the expense of Kylian Mbappe. Right. If, if he, if he, Mbappe,
1: if, he loo- if he leaves, if Mbappe leaves on his own, he pushes for it, and we have money and Messi wants to come here, then I guess, sure, he's pretty good. Bring him here at, well, for if a couple Kylian years.
0: Mbappe, if Kylian Mbappe leaves on his own, I think Messi comes, and I think that's pretty sure. Because PSG are not going to allow Neymar to sort of go without having that kind of partner with him. So they would very much, I think, have Messi and, and Icardi and Keane I think they'd, they'd figure that out. But, you know, I don't think that's what PSG fans really want. I think they want to keep killing Mbappe for as long as they can. Yeah. So I think we've established that. I think that's a fairly strong opinion for most people who watch the club on a daily basis. So I think we can kind of leave it at that. I think that's, you know, I think it's interesting. I, I think, you know, when Marcelo Belker, uh, you know, has a thing like that usually he's pretty spot on he's usually not too much of a you know when he has a big scoop he usually is right so I think yeah PSG are, are putting together a plan and a strategy to de- to make it work but I don't think it's their priority I think they have I think they need to make sure that Neymar and Mbappe deals are done so yeah. I, I say we leave it at that yeah. unless you have anything you want to add
1: no I I Messi is a nice to have but you know, we need some probably reinforcements on defense, um, fullbacks, maybe midfield. Like we, we don't need stars. We need to strengthen this squad, add some more quality depth, get rid of some players that maybe like a Draxler in his last year of his contract. I think we just need to look at other areas of the squad that need strengthening and not bring in another big name in attack. Because if we keep Neymar yeah. and Mbappe, that should be yeah. plenty. But.
0: Ed, what's the fun in that? Jerseys, jerseys, more jerseys. Clicks, clicks. Got to sell
1: those jerseys, pal. That's right. Yeah, we need clicks of the website. Messi. Okay, fine. Messi. He'd be good for business. Um, looking he'd be ahead. Great for business. <laughs> looking ahead, we've got uh, nonce on Sunday. That'll be. Uh, should be interesting. We right after we beat Barcelona, PSG lost to Monaco, so we'll see what we do with relegation threat yeah. nantes.
0: Nantes aren't any good, so PSG yeah. really should take care of this one.
1: And then they, we've got the uh, French Cup Wednesday against Lille, and uh, and then next Sunday on the twenty first we play Leon. Um, so. And then after that, we've got two league-on games that are pretty much, those are going to decide whether PSG win the league or maybe they finish second, third, or hopefully not worse than that. So lots of big games coming up. I'm sure in that time we'll have the Champions League draw uh, to see who we play in the next round. Yeah, uh, just for the
0: reference, the the Champions League draw is next Friday, so a week from now.
1: Yeah, a week from now.
0: Probably around 6 in the morning. Eastern time. So you'll be sleeping and you'll wake up and you'll know who we're playing.
1: You don't know me. I'm up at 4 a.m. I'm ready to go. I'll we'll be tweeting about it. So that'll be exciting to see who we play in the next round. Like I said it could be Liverpool. It could be City. It could be Real Madrid. Lots of big name Bayern Munich could be lots of big names out there. It'll be exciting. Um, Alright well you can find me on social media at PSG Talk. Uh, Mark someone thought that you were tweeting from the account but it's usually always me. We don't give you the control of the main account there but that's it. No not anymore. No not anymore. Mark is at at Mark Damon 9. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, download, uh, subscribe, leave a review, all that good stuff. And uh, we'll catch you on the next show. Thanks so much, everyone. Au revoir for now.